0: As I said earlier, we are going to be looking at the book of Acts. So we're starting our next kind of mini series, though I'm not sure how many it's going to be as Acts is quite a big book. So to begin with, the discussion question, which I'd like you all to think about, what in your life have you had to wait for and how did that feel?
1: Well, I'm in a waiting period right now. I've been waiting for a while for a transfer request um, to a new regiment. Um, So, yeah, that's that's taking a while um so yeah god's just like you know helping me to be patient and um yeah just gotta trust that um god's got a plan for
2: that i feel like this winter i spent a long time waiting for like the nice summer weather again because it was very cold and long winter i don't know if it was different like further down south but our like it was literally still frost in april and may which was horrible (laughs) so long waiting period for nice weather to come back
0: um, for me, waiting to go on my gap year um before I went, um, that was
1: um yeah, I was really impatient and, and just really excited to do it. I think yeah, God was, yeah, what fear saying, yeah, patience, definitely. Um,
0: definitely God was teaching me. What about you, Ben? I mean to be fair, I guess currently I'm waiting for my results, my A-level results. It's a weird one because compared to GCSEs where obviously we sat exams and we had no idea what we were gonna get currently it's like we kind of know but we also don't so it's like kind of that period of waiting but it's just that like trust in that actually whatever you know there's three letters on that bit of paper you know it'll take me to wherever God wants me um like you're saying it's that patience and trust um for sure
2: um I was also gonna say sorry um that is kind of reminding me of like and um, the day that I got like my uni acceptance offer thing I remember being like really distressed because everybody else had got theirs back and there was a thing that said online like you'll get your you'll hear if you got in or not by five o'clock and i was like waiting and then it got to five o'clock and i had like an exam the next day and i hadn't been studying all day because i just couldn't focus so that was like a really it felt like the longest day of waiting ever because i was just like waiting for this email to come through and then it finally came through like 7 pm and i spent two hours like crying because i thought they'd like forgotten about me So yeah, I remember that really vividly. And then the moment that I got the email, I think it made it like me appreciate it a lot more than having had to wait all that time um longer and feel all that stress winding up in the old day.
3: On a similar note, I remember um well very recently waiting waiting for my um exa- not my exam, not my exam results, my results for my um which schools I was getting accepted in. That was very stressful, very um, you know, so it was a hard hard long wait but it finally arrived and i got something that i would have want, i wanted and it would be really good then it was very it was very relaxing to finally get the results
0: and finally get accepted cool right yes yeah, so as kind of a lot of you have kind of picked up on this we often go through periods of waiting we often go through seasons where we're waiting for something we're looking forward to something we're expecting something and yeah often we can sometimes live life going through waiting just waiting for the next step and that's what it can sometimes feel like and that's actually what we see in this kind of first passage this week of Acts which Josh is going to be unpacking for us what we've got here is this whole concept of the promise so all throughout the Old Testament it's all pointing forwards it's all pointing forwards to a couple of things It's all pointing forwards to Jesus and it's all pointing forward to the Holy Spirit coming down and being more readily available in a sense to the whole rather than just being kind of israel and a couple of foreigners i say it was never just exclusively israel in the old testament you know like you've got kind of examples you've got rahab she's included she's invited into god's people as a result of her her actions and her faith and you've also got king david's invitation to you know all nations to worship at the new temple but what we have here is the opening section of acts is This idea that actually God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people because of his Holy Spirit. Rewind back a bit to Easter. It's been a couple months since Easter. Easter in the time, in first century, would have looked like an absolute roller coaster for the disciples. You know, at the start of the week, Jesus is riding in on a donkey. You know, he's being hailed as the Messiah, you know, singing the Messianic prophecies from the Psalms. You know, everyone's thinking, wow, you know, this is finally it. And, you know, Jesus is teaching in the synagogues every day. You know, people are hearing him speak. And then you fast forward to the end of the week and he's crucified along with criminals. And the, the disciples' hopes are absolutely shattered, only to be restored again on the next Sunday. And then what you have is you have after Jesus was raised again on the Easter Sunday. And then you have that period before he ascends, which is about 40 days. And then you have the period after the ascension until Pentecost which we're actually going to be looking at next week and basically in that period between Jesus's ascension and Pentecost what you have is Jesus saying look the Holy Spirit is going to come down and you guys are going to do great things you're going to go out you're going to go and make disciples of all nations like we see in Matthew 28 you know you're going to go out and you're going to spread the life-changing message of what I have done to the world but you see the disciples had to wait in that period they had to wait on God's timing they couldn't You know, I'm sure if the disciples had it their way, they would have wanted to go. They would have wanted to run straight away, but they had to wait for God's starting gun almost. They had to wait until they'd receive the Holy Spirit. And what we see is after chapter two, after Pentecost, we basically see the remaining chapters of Acts is how God can work through ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And I feel like so often people can look back, they can look back at Acts, they can look back at the early church and think, wow, you know, that was something that was accessible for them back then, you know, back in first century. And that's something that we just can't see today. But actually in reality, Luke goes to great lengths to stress the fact that, you know, the disciples, the apostles, they were just ordinary men. You know, he even says in the opening chapters of Acts that actually, The disciples were unschooled, ordinary men. He doesn't try to big them up. He doesn't try to make them as as greater than they were. But he places all the emphasis on God. And what we see is, you know, Luke, you know, he's a he's a historian. He's a doctor. He's a very logical guy. He's very straightforward thinking. Like we looked at, you know, almost actually about a year ago now, when we started Luke, how he structured his book how he collected his evidence you know he used a several eyewitness accounts to compile his records and we can see that actually the way he structures it is impeccably like a greek historian so it's split up into five main sectors if you will and it's all basically about the success of the gospel in different regions it opens in the first seven chapters with the effect of the gospel in jerusalem and then in the chapters eight and nine, we see how it spreads to Judea and Samaria. And then in chapter 13 to 15, we see the gospel success in Asia Minor, followed by the gospel's advance into Europe. And then finally wrapping it all up with the arrival of Paul into Rome. And yeah, the book of Acts is basically it kind of bridges the gap between the gospels and Paul's letters. It's like that kind of stepping stone, if you will, to helping us understand how the gospel went out and how God can work through ordinary people so that's basically what I'm going to talk about this idea that yeah the disciples had to wait and how waiting shouldn't be a passive thing but it should be an active an active thing where we wait and we seek God I'm going to chat about that more in the small groups later on but yeah without further ado I'm going to hand straight over to Josh
1: yeah it's good to be back everybody um would anybody like to read our passage it's a fairly short one for once it um, is Acts 1, 1 to 10. I'll read if you want. If oh, can, that would be great. Thank you, Elliot.
3: Yeah. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, When you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to be going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them.
1: Yeah, that's a mistake on me. It's meant to be 1 to 11. So I'll just read the, uh, the last verse. So verse 11. Uh, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, uh, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, it's great to see all your lovely faces. It's a very nice day. The sun's shining, the birds are singing, um, and there's so many faces looking back at me. And we've now moved on to Acts. We've moved off of Luke, and we're into a new book. We're into a whole new story, because... Jesus is no longer on earth. So this book is the history of the church, the immediate following one after the Gospels. This is the growth of the church as we know it. This is the, the immediate actions of the apostles in growing Christianity as a, as a religion. See, this is volume one of the church growing and forming. Volume two, well, it's still being written. You and I are writing it every day every single person on this earth that is continuing to pick up their cross daily is writing their, their version of volume two of Acts. So as Ben mentioned, this is written by our good friend, Luke, and he was the only person to continue writing on after, uh, after his gospel to continue into the next generation and the next part of the story. See the difference between Luke and Acts is what part of the Trinity we're really focusing on. See, with Luke, we're all focused on the Son. We're focused on the actions of Jesus, his earthly actions, his earthly ministry. Whereas Acts, this is all about the Holy Spirit. This is all about the Spirit descending and filling God's people and letting them make their choices and letting them build the church without the physical Son of God there. See, the actions of the early church were all guided by his Spirit. That's what we should aim to be like. That's what the apostles chose to do. We'll see many, many way through. We'll see Saul changing to Paul. We'll see Philip on the road with a eunuch. We'll see uh, the road to Damascus. And we will see so many more different actions that have had such a massive, important role in in the growth of the religion that we now know. In the growth of the way that we can come to be a part of this zoo. To come and spend time with other young people, with other Christians to come and worship Christ. See, much like the the apostles, God is a calling for each and every one of our lives. He had chosen the apostles. He had chosen each of them. Not because they were particularly brilliant teachers of the law, but because they were chosen because of their heart. Because of the people they were. See, that's what we're like. We're all chosen by God for a specific calling. Not because of any, any of us are particularly massively strong. Not because any of us are particularly going to be the next Albert Einstein. It's not because any of us are going to become the next Jeff Bezos or any of that. We are because of our heart. David, we see all the way back in 1 Samuel. He was chosen because his heart was for God. And even though he messed up along the way sometimes and he messed up in some pretty big ways his heart was always still for God he was always trying to be the best version of himself that God had called him to be so right now we're looking at the apostles the apostles are there as Jesus is rising up into the clouds and leaving them and they're like what's going to happen now see The one verse from the Old Testament I think would be really comforting for these apostles right now is Esther 4.14. It would have been perfect for them because as they're figuring out where their calling is along this road, as they're figuring out what's going to happen next, they're seeing that God is saying to them, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Perhaps you came to this position, not to be quiet, but to step up, and step out see who knows who knows but maybe one of these people in this room right now might change the world through what they do it might be Sophie. it might be Ramon it might be Elisha it might be Theo it might be Naomi it might be Lossie it might be any of you it could be happen in so many different ways God has all called you according to his perfect plan we talk so much about Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For, the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Since before you, even an idea, God had a plan for you. Since before the birth of time, God knew that you would be here on this earth at this time in this room speaking to these people. It doesn't mean that you've not had the free will to get yourself there. We've, that's the, the big issue with so many Christians nowadays, is that all the thinking, hmm, has God predestined all this or do we have free will? It works beyond our imagination. We're trying too much to affirm our own thoughts through something that is so God. See, God knew that you'd be here doesn't mean that you were you were going to make your way here in the perfect way that he planned it because we can step off that road at times we can choose a different path but God has a plan for you God has a plan for each and every one of our lives a plan to prosper us and not to harm us plans to give us hope and a future it's the second it's the second or third passage in Romans 8 verses 18 to 21, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm just going to break this down a little bit. I'm going to go into a little bit of, if you were there in your Bible at the moment, if you can get there, then just highlight it. And I'm just going to split it open a little bit. Present sufferings, it speaks for itself. At the moment, you might be going through a really tough time. You might be going through a time like the apostles are going through here. You might have no clue what you want to do following on. But the one thing that God will affirm over us is that nothing compared to what he has planned for us. The glory that will be revealed in us. So highlight glory and highlight revealed in us. One thing that I've noticed in my life is God has taken my suffering. He's taken the, the struggles that I go through on a daily, weekly, monthly basis my struggles with my own self-control and instant gratification and pornography. Well, hey, I've mentioned the word. So many of those struggles, God has helped me reveal to others that, you know what, this is nothing compared to what God can do. I'm at a place now where I would openly talk about it to you guys. And if you have any questions about my journey, feel free to message me, because my messages are always open because I have no life. And the thing is, God has helped We get from a place where it was all shame I wouldn't speak about it nobody even knew and now I'm at a place where God is revealing glory through something that was my that used to be my present suffering doesn't mean I'm perfect now I'm by no means a perfect person none of us here are perfect but God will continue to reveal in us his plan and everything that he has to promise us so I'm going to move on to the next part of this little passage for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of god to be revealed we look along this really long path of you know god where am i going to have my major breakthrough where am i going to have my moment like the apostles where the spirit descends on me and i start forming my own path truth is we don't know truth is like jesus said here it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set in his own authority We don't know what God's plan is going to be. That's why it's all just one blind leap of faith. Every day, picking up our cross, we don't know what's going to come. We don't know what's going to happen throughout that day, but we know that God is going to be alongside us no matter what. For the creation was uh, subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. We've gone through tough times, but God knows that we're going to come out of those times a completely different person. I could use my own pathway of going through the struggling with porn, which I still do sometimes, but not by my own choice. It is by the one who subjected it. it. All the way back in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve attempted, and that is when sin comes into the world. We see it right there. There's shame. Shame is the silent killer, as I always say. It's the thing that doesn't tell us that we've done something wrong, but tells us that something is wrong with us. It holds us accountable for something that we shouldn't be held accountable for because it was taken on the cross by Jesus. And that's what Acts is showing. Acts is showing that the spirit has descended on us. That same spirit that spoke through Jesus is going to continue to speak through us. Each and every one of us on this call, go into a conversation tomorrow and reveal the kingdom of God to these people, to, to someone. And that's what we should every day aspire to do, having as many salty conversations as we as we can. I see nothing can compare with what God has in store for you. Think of the disciples. They were fishermen. Some of them were woodworkers. None of them had thought, you know what, one day I'm going to build a church and build. the. If they had been taken from when they were fishermen and they were pretty bad fishermen, to be honest, to here and now to see what they created, what they have built up. It would be pretty insane. So just like God had a plan for the apostles like Luke, John, Peter, Matthias, and so many others, he has a plan for you. For the now, for this time, the world is a very much different place from where it was 2,000 years ago. But one thing hasn't changed. The spirit that empowered the early church, The spirit that spoke through Jesus in all the years of his ministry. That same spirit speaks to us. Verses four and five of this passage uh, show that the Holy Spirit is our gift. It's what empowers us, what guides us and descends on us to allow us to speak with that same power that fills these people. We are baptised in the spirit. washed clean of our sin and shame that Jesus took on the cross. The spirit that spoke through Jesus Taking him to the cross hadn't stopped. So, why would the story end there? Why would the book end at the end of the Gospels? This is why we're still writing volume two. Acts is still being lived out by the church across the world in America, in South America, in Asia, in Africa, in Oceania, or whatever the, um, that bit of Australia and stuff is called, and Europe, and so many other places. But we have so many places where the church is continuing to grow. And although there are places where we are persecuted heavily for our faith, it's a major praise point that there are so many places that we're still allowed to speak freely about our faith. It doesn't mean that we're in the perfect place because we're never going to be. It's why we're still writing volume two. At the end of volume two will be when Jesus comes again, descending the same way he went up. It's our daily lives, the constant calling that Jesus has to bear, that Jesus gives us to bear across. cross. As I said, our salty conversations. where we go into a conversation, any interaction, sharing God's love. See, if we are going to go and share God's love, one great thing we can do before that is reading his word. It tunes us with his spirit. Because if you want to see God speak into your life, you read his word. You want to hear god speak over you you read his word out loud see we're all witnesses to the reason that this book is here we are all writing our own version of volume two of acts every day every single second we have a choice we have a choice to share god's love or we have a choice to worship ourselves which is never a great choice any new trials new faith, new situations that we come to be faced with. Entering any new season is a difficult choice. There's difficult choices to make left, right and centre. But as long as we continue to attune ourselves with God's spirit, we know that he's going to guide us through. Romans 7 verse 6 says, but now by dying to what is bound to us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the way of the new spirit and not in the old way, uh, the old way of the written code. Although although the whole of the Bible, every single word of it is God's word, we have been filled with a new spirit. We've been filled with a spirit that descended on the earth with Jesus. When we come to Christ, we are a new creation. Entering into our relationship with God and searching for him as much as we can. And granted, that might not be as much as we want to, but in every opportunity, coming to God in prayer, helps us to become more and more like him because in every single step we take in every single moment when we have an opportunity to go to god in prayer it's an opportunity to grow in relationship with him if you want to grow in relationship with people what do you do spend more time with him so spending more time with god helps us grow more like him see in verse 10 they're completely dumbfounded they had no clue whatsoever of the decisions they're about to be making. This is, the, this is one whole leap into the unknown. A step of faith by almost the largest of margins. Because we can't comprehend what is out there for us. Genesis 22, Abraham didn't know what was going to happen. But he knew that God will provide. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And what happened? God provided we might not know what will come tomorrow, but we know that God's going to provide for us in so many different situations that we come through. When we step out in faith, when we go like, God, I'm just going to give you everything. I've no clue what's going to happen. God is always going to provide. God has always provided and is always going to continue to do that. Once you start making the choice, that's when it becomes easier. The start is always the hardest part of the journey. Those first steps are always the scariest. Think if you're climbing Everest and you're at the bottom, you're at base camp and you're looking up and you can see so many, so many metres of climbing in front of you. That's when the hardest part is. That's where you're thinking, this is the point of no return. If I go now, that's it. I've made my choice. Practice doesn't make perfect. Every single sports coach in the world is now screaming at me in pain because that's what they're always chatting about. But, there's always the factor that we're never going to be perfect practice in fact always is going to make permanent the more we draw near to god the more we understand god's nature and his spirit it doesn't make us completely more like him but it allows us to make choices that will draw us closer to him and that will ultimately give us the opportunity to be more in tune with the spirit allows us to make choices that draw us closer to him the more we go close to him the more we understand who, what his spirit is and the more we are, are able to make choices right practice is going to make permanent if you continue to make that choice to go to god in prayer the more easy it's going to become we're all in the same boat as these apostles do spirit is speaking through them just like it will through us if you if in any day you come and have a conversation about Jesus with someone, that same spirit that allowed the apostles to form the early church is speaking through you. But there's always a choice, that choice to be a witness to God or the choice to go our own way. You see later on in the passage that we see that Judas was a place of Matthias. Judas himself made that choice. He made that choice not to pick up his cross and bear it with Jesus and follow him. But he made his choice to be like, I'm going to prefer money over this. He worshipped money more than the the son of God. He made a choice to worship the world. And that's what we see ourselves doing in so many situations. In situations of instant gratification. In situations where we gossip. In situations where we don't practice our own self-love. Where we don't see our self-worth that we are new creations in Christ. So many situations we face in our lives are going to define our act of the day. So in each day, choosing to make an action that is more attuned with the spirit, that comes with a big weight. See, there's a constant recurring question for us in what is our priority? I'm pretty bad at this, but at the moment, I have been, I think it's been the last 10 days straight. I haven't done my morning devotional, which has ended up me doing it at like eleven at night, and that means that I don't get a good night's sleep, and then that means that I wake up and I'm and I'm tired, and I'm like, oh no, I'll do it in the evening. My priority is to wake up and be like, hmm, food or hmm, shower, whereas it should really be the Word of God. That's something I need to get better at, and I encourage you to notice the areas where you might be like that in your lives, and to continue to step out and find new ways. To draw closer to God see there's a big contrast here in verse 11 Jesus descended to earth for the first time look at how he came as a baby born in a manger came to serve not to be served to give up his life so that we can be baptized in the spirit be led into this new life to be cher- to be a new creation but when Jesus comes again we're not going to have that luxury When Jesus comes again, he is going to descend from heaven with all the power that he has. In the alpha male circles that I am very much a part of, this would be his first life, his first 30 years of his ministry. It would be very much be called asserting his dominance. That's a very alpha male comment. I would know because I am one. Uh, We see in so many opportunities that Jesus is continuing to show his spirit through his first ministry. Then the second ministry, when he's going to come again. That is where he brings the fire and power of the Lord to bring an end to this earth as we know it. Judgment day, some people call it. I don't know what it's going to be like. When it happens, it'll probably be very cool. Um, But it's our choice whether to pick up our cross or not. For all we know, the day where Jesus comes again could be tomorrow morning. You could be happy sleeping in bed and then you hear it and you see it and Jesus comes again. What do you want that moment to be like for you do you want it to be euphoria of everything you've put your tr- faith in every second of your days every day of your month has been spent living forward to that or do you want to be there and then you're like i didn't live up to what my, what god called me to be jeremiah 29 verse 11 for i know the plans that i have for you plans to prosper you and to give you hope for a future god has called us in so many different ways to be disciples to him he calls us to fish for men if we're going to choose to avoid that we're avoiding his calling so how is your version of Acts volume two going to look like are you going to allow the spirit to minister through you where do you feel God is calling you like He called the apostles? The spirit descended to allow it to s- descend on you. I have been Josh. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It has been great to see all of you. So, yeah, Benjamin, back over to you.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk for long, to be honest, because um, we're going to get into some small groups. But, yeah, nice. where's Josh was speaking? It's all about, yeah, where do we put our priority in our life? You know, is our priority somewhere other than God Um, and it just reminded me of a verse in Galatians so Paul writes in Galatians 6 verse 8 for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life and it's just that reminder that actually yeah we need to be active in the choices that we make Um, you know this is this is not me saying the choices that we make Are what earns us our salvation what i'm saying is that we make the choices because our salvation has been gifted to us freely from jesus because of what jesus did and that should be the mindset that we that we live our lives from that should be where we kind of take our inspiration inspiration isn't the right word it's kind of more like that should be where the source the very kind of source of our life comes from from that fact that firm hope that assurance that actually at the end of it all we will walk an eternity with christ and it's our calling to you know go through each day putting off the old self putting on the new you know like paul talks about in colossians 3 you know this idea that actually it's hard um you know the sermon i listened to this morning with church was actually on colossians 3 and the preacher described it as you know, this putting to death of our kind of sinful habits, this putting to death, uh, Paul writes verse 5 and verse 8 of Colossians 3 put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness. And then verse 8 and put them all away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You see, it can be so tricky. And often I feel like people can end up in this cycle of always trying and trying to put off the old and put on the new. And the reason why it's so hard is because we set our affections on those sinful ways. And it can be hard to put to death something that has our affection. But Paul is telling us that we need to reevaluate, that we need to reassess where we set our affections, that we need to reassess where we put our hope, where we put our trust. It's only by reframing our mind, by reorientating ourselves and making those daily decisions that we can actually kind of go through and and take
3: those steps.